The following podcast contains spoilers and words that my mother would prefer I did not say. We watch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. Once again, I'm joined by one of my fabulous, wonderful podcasting friends. Once again, it's Julio from The Contrarians. How you going, buddy? Hey, I'm back. I'm back, and now you are on the other end. We're going to talk about something you love. That's right. That's right. And hopefully you won't. Hopefully you won't trash (laughs) it. Like I kind of did a little with uh, with uh, Life Aquatic, which we did last time. We are, of course, talking about Cliffhanger, which is a 1993 American action-adventure film directed by Rennie Harlan, starring Sylvester Stallone, John Lithgow, Michael Rooker, and Janine Turner. And I'm going to do this to you. What is it about, Julio? <laughs> We've all seen Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. This is Die Hard in a mountain. A series of mountains. Die Hard in the mountains? <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's Okay, so Sylvester Stallone, he climbs mountains for a living. He rescues people, I guess. And then... One day he loses someone, and uh, and that's enough to get him to quit. He retires, but then he gets sucked back. Yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> he gets sucked back in when he gets tangled in this plot. It's like a video game. John Lithgow has misplaced yeah. three. It is a little big bit, cases yeah. of cash throughout this mountain range, and uh, so he kidnaps Stallone and Michael Rooker, and thus starts a, a cat and mouse game between the bad guys Stallone Michael Rooker yep. and the thankless female character played by is it Janine Turner <laughs> yep. yeah so this is actually in my top 20 films of all time my god oh, Billy which is kind of strange for me um, I'm, I'm absorbing really that in- information Billy yeah. just taking a deep breath and I'm letting not- it sink in <laughs> I'm not really an action fan at all. I didn't love Die oh, Hard the way most people do. <laughs> I'm just it's just not really a genre I'm really there for usually. You and I seem to have pretty similar tastes. How, where are you on action films in general? It's not my go-to genre, but I can appreciate a well-made action movie. Uh, so I I love Die Hard. To me Die Hard is exceptional. It has just enough character work, has really good set pieces. It's tight, like it's really smart. I think that without going too far ahead, I think that that's the big difference. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll drop the pretense, <laughs> Billy. I, I had a good time with this movie, but but this movie is not smart. And Die Hard is smart. And I think that, well, you came to Die Hard late, right? I mean, didn't you watch it? Yeah, I was going to say, and I think that's the difference for me. Like, I, I saw Cliffhanger as a young kid. I was maybe eight or nine years old. And so f- this is for me what Die Hard is for many other people where they saw it in the 80s I didn't see it until yeah four years ago it was our first Christmas special Mm -hmm. for the show and that was the first time I'd seen it so I think that yeah there's definitely a lot of nostalgia going on do you find yourself measuring up new action movies anytime you watch an action movie do you kind of like measure up against against this that's right and that's why I tend to not like most modern action films because to me they're missing this sense of cheese and fun which to me that's what an action movie is like an action movie needs a good level of cheese with it and so many these days like john wick does nothing for me because it's just it takes itself so seriously and i need i need john lithgow saying cheesy one-liners you know like that's what i need in an action movie how about uh fury road how do you feel about Fury Road? Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that either. I'm one of the few people in the world that didn't love that movie. I found it a little bit dull. That's that's <laughs> impressive, especially coming from an Australian. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, mean, I know, I'm right? You. I'm probably not allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like Fury Road okay, but to me, it's not 
just a, I mean, we have so many friends in common that just worship that movie and off yeah. podcasting. I also know a lot of people that do so, but to me, it's it doesn't have the the I guess enough heart. Uh, so when it comes to action, yeah, I mean, I can appreciate good set pieces and I can get caught up in all the, the stuff, but I I think that sometimes it can get too silly. In that, like in this yeah. movie or sometimes it can get just just it doesn't have enough heart I mean I watched Speed yeah. a couple of years ago for the show and I was actually I thought Speed was great uh, for what yeah, it was Speed is you great know, it was, yeah. I think that the dynamic between Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock in that movie that's one of the strongest points and so if you have something like that I'm like I'm more likely to really enjoy an action movie Yeah. so this defined the action genre for you when you were a kid. Absolutely. To me, this is what an action movie is and what an action movie should be and could be. <laughs> <laughs> if they just tried a little harder. Like, to me, I think the premise is actually really strong and the scenery and set pieces that this story allows are so wonderful. Like, I don't think I've ever seen an action movie with as much fun a set piece as Stallone just running around climbing mountains. You know, when he's in the cave and he literally picks a person up and just, like, impales them on a stalactite. Like, where else can you see that? <laughs> One or two Marvel movies from now, I'm sure they'll they'll get there. Uh, I... Probably my biggest compliment to this movie, and the one thing that is going to set it apart going forward. Whenever I think of Cliffhanger, I'm going to think of the setting. That to me is the real star of the movie, even more so than Stallone. Yeah. Just the the snowing mountains and the things yeah. that Rennie Harlan does with the setting, just the set pieces, and just mm. I, I think that that was the the biggest enjoyment I got out of it. Just to see what else is he going to do in this landscape and how else is he going to yeah. take advantage of the fact that they're just climbing a mountain and there's ice yeah. all around them. That's the thing to me. And it's funny, you know, you spoke about Die Hard being smart and this not being smart. And in some ways I can see where you're coming from. I think there's a lot of, you know, very cheesy dialogue. But to me, I think what this movie does really well and because of the setting, it allows it to almost have two villains because to me this is a perfect blend of not only surviving bad guys but you're also up against nature and you've got i just think that gives it a really interesting dynamic that we saw recently try to be emulated with tyler sheridan's those who wish me dead i don't know if you saw that it's basically cliffhanger but with a bushfire yeah i I didn't get around to it i'll I'll get to it because i wanted to watch it i personally really liked that movie which a lot of people didn't but i think that's another one that it's just got this interesting blend of like not only are you trying to outsmart these bad guys but you're literally up against mother nature and everything that that's trying to kill you with already like yeah yeah it's smart filmmaking from the action genre set pieces uh, point of view. When when I think that it's not as smart, it's just plot wise, like the actual nuts and bolts yeah. of the of the story, where uh, there are just moments where characters don't do the smart thing. And I mean, I don't want to keep bringing up Die Hard, but I kind of have to because to me, you know, that is what I measure it against. And and because yeah, there is yeah. a, the idea of I don't know. I, I mean, I imagine it's not exclusive to Die Hard, but in pop culture, when you say Die Hard in a like, you automatically know that you're talking about oh, a character yeah. facing off against a whole bunch of villains in in a very yeah. confined setting. The thing about Die Hard, the first one at least, is just that 
everybody's really smart. You know, John McClane is really smart and Hans Gruber is really smart. And when somebody does something that's not smart, there's consequences and they get called out for it. And so that to me, that's what elevates it. Like here, especially once you get in the second half of the movie, like characters start making decisions that are happening mainly so that we can have a set piece. You know, there's no reason why certain people should be obsessed with acting a certain way. Like, uh, I think it's Leon. That's his real name, but Leon. Yeah, you yeah. know the the guy that suddenly it turns out that he was like a kung fu master because he goes he becomes obsessed with Stallone. Even though through the movie I didn't really buy that he would, be yeah. There, but he chooses to just go after Stallone and not kill him right away, which would be the mm. this you know that's what you want to do instead because there needs to be a big fight. He takes his time torturing him, and then yeah. uh, the girl, like the the main actress, like she gets it the worst because she. They paint her as somewhat capable at the beginning of the movie, but then towards the end of the movie, because we need the story to keep going and we need Stallone to be the star, she just she's reduced yeah. to not being able to do anything. I mean, she kicks a bad guy once. She kicks that guy. <laughs> the guy that ends up kicking Stallone's ass. She kicks him once, yeah. and then she just freezes. And like, I'm not saying that you can't have a character becoming completely ineffectual out of fear, but that's not that yeah. doesn't seem to be what the movie's going for. It's just like. Well, we don't need her to do anything right now, so let's just have her freeze there, and we're yeah. not going to talk about it later. So uh, that kind of stuff, kind of like it ends up adding up. Like I don't know, even like at the end, the big climax. I, I don't know what John Lithgow is thinking. Like he has the upper hand, and he just gives it away. <laughs> he has yeah. Stallone's girlfriend as a hostage, and yes. the moment that Stallone says, "Like, uh, no, I have your, I have your money right here. I'll trade," then. Lithgow, who's been established as being this bloodthirsty maniac, he should have just like, yeah. if I was Lithgow, I would have just like shot her in the leg and be like, okay, I'm shooting her again if you don't give me the money right now. And then that's it. The movie's Yeah, I mean, or, or even more, just just shoot Stallone. Or just shoot like, Stallone. Just shoot him. Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll drop the range. briefcase, you know. Yeah. You don't need him alive. Yeah. yeah. No, this is me overthinking a movie, Billy. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I yes. know I'm overthinking. Yeah. A fun, I'm, I'm sucking the fun out of a cliffhanger, and that's not, I know that's not what it's about. <laughs> uh, but, but I can't help myself by go through that thought process when a movie yeah. uh, doesn't quite have me. It, it does have me at See, and it's funny. That's the thought process that I would definitely go through with other movies. But I think because I saw this as a kid and I kind of take it at face value, I don't think about those things. But you're absolutely right. Not only is, his, is he established as, you know, like, he'll do anything. He shoot, he shoots his girlfriend yeah. just to make a point. Really. Yeah, and that scene is awesome. And like, that's, that's smart. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's established as a very smart character already and we've seen him kind of outwit and outplay others so i i know what you're saying with that final scene about that kind of turning away that um, um, there are moments where I, I have i'm perfectly happy just not even thinking about it like the the whole sequence where he is uh it's one of the other guys but it's just stallone and this guy just sliding downhill and uh, yeah <laughs> that is awesome yeah. i don't care if it makes sense or not <laughs> i was just i thought it was great <laughs> i know like he basically uses stallone as like like a like a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> this is going to sound really dumb, like a snow surfboard. What's that Snowboard. Word? A snowboard. <laughs> I'm so dumb. <laughs> he, he literally uses Stallone as a snowboard. Yeah. And it's like totally fine. Two seconds later, Stallone does the reverse and the guy's <laughs> face gets all torn up. It's like, but he just rode you that same way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about one of the few action set pieces which isn't on the mountain. I'm talking about the plane sequence with the two planes tied together. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about that? I was lost. This is probably more on me than the movie. 
Unless you're about to tell me yeah. that's a, a thing that confuses you. Too. I, I didn't know what was going on. It, it doesn't help that a lot of people are... I, well, I mean, I knew the gist of it. I'm like, oh, this is a bad guy. He betrayed them and he's, you know, taking the money. But yeah. the there's a lot of, like, back and forth between what the guy's doing in one plane and what the other guys are doing in the other plane. And yeah. I, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I don't know any of these characters. I assumed, because I knew John Lithgow was a bad guy, I, I assumed that he was in the other plane, but I was not sure what was happening until things go south. And, you know, when the FBI agent that they thought was dead turns out to be alive, that that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And he, he just fucks them up yeah. before he before the plane <laughs> explodes. Like, that That was cool. But uh, I wouldn't put it... It's probably my least favorite out of all the action sequences uh, in the movie. Yeah. Uh, do you feel yeah, differently? See, it's interesting. Well, I mean, I I didn't have any problem following it but again i've seen this movie so many times that i i couldn't tell you if maybe i did when i first saw it um but for me this time i was a little bit like well hang on you've got the pilot on board you've killed everyone else on the plane why do you need to zip line to another pl- why can't why can't you land the plane and just hand the money off on the ground because you've got the pi- it's not like you killed the pilots and you have to get off the plane the pilot's there. He can he can land the plane for you, and you can hand this money off. It's really just an excuse for this over the top sequence. I'm sure if you ask uh, the guys that wrote the movie, they would tell you that. Well, the reason is that they can't land for I don't know for a reason, right? And so it needs to happen yeah. right now in air in mid air because otherwise they'll be able to track us or yeah maybe yeah, the, yeah maybe it's to do with the tracking of the briefcases or something yeah which is the other big. Thing I have a problem with is when when he's got the the tracker, um, and it gives like a side view of the mountains. <laughs> it's like that's not what a map would look like of these tracked objects. Like, well, that's- how how does it know like the altitude and like the shape of the mountains? That's not what you'd be seeing. The government <laughs> has technology that we don't have access to, so I imagine they just yeah. <laughs> they're decades ahead. Uh, yeah, that was that was weird. The, the, I like that conceit, though. I like the idea of, like, you, you set up these three drop spots, and this is... I don't care that it's like a video game. That's fun to know that they're going to have yeah. to hit those three spots and just to see how Stallone is going to have to outmaneuver them three times. How do you feel about Stallone overall? Like, in this movie, and as an actor, I don't know that I've ever heard you talk about him uh, on your show before. Yeah, you know what? That's probably true. I, I think the most we've spoken about him would have been recently in The Suicide Squad. I like Stallone surprisingly like like I'm not like I said I'm not a big action movie guy mm-hmm. but to be honest I don't think he is either I, I think that he's mo- I think he's mostly in the same kind of action that I tend to enjoy which is cheesy over the top you know like when I think of Stallone I think of stuff like this or Judge Dredd I'm n- I'm not a Rocky fan mm-hmm. um I appreciate what he did there and you know he He's kind of like the poster boy for giving yourself a career, you know, like before we had people like Kevin Smith and people like that who really took indie film to a new level. He he was the guy who was like, you know, anyone can do this. So I definitely appreciate that. Do I think he's a good actor? No, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) But but again, that's not that's not what I want in an action movie. I don't I don't want, you know, I mean, and, you know, we've seen the flip side of this. We've seen. Uh, Dame Helen Mirren in The Fast and the Furious. So we've seen what a good actor in an action movie looks like, and it doesn't make it any better. So for me, I think Stallone is 
perfect in this role. <laughs> I, I think he's good. I've, I've been going through this sort of uh, re-evaluation of Sylvester Stallone as an actor, because if you had asked me a few months ago what I thought of Stallone, I would have told you he was not good. Just overall, like, I'm like, I don't think that he, I think he has a screen presence, but I don't think that he has any sort of yeah. range uh, as an actor. Even though I've seen Copland, and I think Copland is, at least in my mind, it was an exception, and now I think it's it's probably his best work still. But um, that might, I, now, recently, I've come to think that maybe I've just been underestimating that, that it's not so easy to actually be Stallone the way that we see him on screen. And uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's funny because we watched, uh, we did it on the show, we watched Tango and Cash, and he is atrocious in that movie. And I think that seeing him be so bad there made me appreciate what it's like when he's good, when he's just doing yeah. what needs to be done. And I think that Cliffhanger is actually a good example where he, I don't think he's outstanding, as in, you know, some people like, man, I keep going to Die Hard, but like Bruce Willis in Die Hard, he brings a charisma to that character that, helps the movie and it paints your character he hits the marks i mean he is he actually did make me groan whenever he had a, a one-liner like he hit the one-liners just right and he yeah uh, you know he did he performed those action sequences in a way that needed to be performed like i i, I think that's harder than i than sometimes i give him credit for and he he didn't take me out of the movie and this is a movie where you know yeah. you give a wrong the wrong performance there and that that's it. You're done because it's Stallone and yeah. everybody else. So I'm in the process of giving Stallone more credit. I I really should watch Judge Dredd and see what what happens there. What happened there? <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that his um his action work in this film is very very good. I think that you know it. I, I kind of know what you're saying. Like, it's easy to just stand there and throw a punch and, and do that. I do think he's giving more here. And I think he actually does quite a lot of facial acting and stuff, which is not something I've come to expect from Stallone. Yeah, there's the, the grief from the first half of the movie, the first third of the movie. I bought it. I think that's when I when I clicked. I'm like, man, he's he's fine. You know, he's yeah. he shows up and he's moping around. And uh, and I bought it. It didn't feel like Stallone kind of outreaching or overreaching. You know, he, he was just... Yeah. Uh, I bought that there was a man that was scarred by what had happened eight months ago, and now he was trying to, you know, kind of put his life together. So, so that was that was cool. Uh, have you seen the second Days Ventura movie? Oh, very long time ago. Does, I don't know if you I, I don't remember. Well, it. the opening is built uh, Jim Carrey and a little monkey. The monkey's lips are like in the zip line or something and it's it's the opening of cliffhanger but i never knew that until oh, now right. he's just like <laughs> holding the little monkey and the the paw slips and then it falls and jim carrey goes no <laughs> i mean, since you brought it up let's talk about that opening scene and the the tension and stuff it builds did you i mean okay so you'd seen ace ventura too did that ruin that scene for you did you know where it was going did it take you by surprise do you think it was a good opening to the film uh, no the ace ventura thing happened after it was over so like that connection the, i didn't make it until the girl had died and i was like okay so that was good right yeah uh, the the thumbnail for the movie when i was about to start it on hulu i think that's where i watched it uh yeah <laughs> that thumbnail was stallone uh, you know holding her as she's hanging so i knew yeah. that was ha- coming at some point i i didn't pay enough attention to the facial features so i didn't know who it was but uh but i knew that was going to happen so i didn't know if she was going to survive or not as soon as you know when it started taking a little too long for that 
for you know them to be rescued. So I was like, oh, this is gonna turn into a thing, and then it turned into a thing. Yeah, I expected something to happen, and then I was hoping that she wouldn't die, but then it became clear she was going to die. And uh, I, I'll tell you, the bigger surprise for me was that uh, Michael Rooker made it to the end of the movie because I thought yeah. that they were gonna kill him off at some point. And I was surprised yeah. that they resisted. Like, they beat the shit out of him, but <laughs> he makes it to the end. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big Michael Rooker fan, actually. And I think that he's very good in this film as well. And I think that that, in some ways, almost elevates Stallone's performance because they've got a little bit of that kind of buddy element going on. But at the same time, they're they're not, you know, they're not happy with mm-hmm. each other at the moment. So, yeah, I actually, I I like that element to the film, and I'm I'm glad he lives to the end as well. Yeah, he's uh, here's another one of those moments that that kind of drove me a little crazy, and that's when uh, the soccer player, uh, I don't remember his name, but the bad guy that just kicks him and kicks him. And- <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, just makes nothing but soccer puns because he's British. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. the entire time, uh, Michael Rooker has a knife, like a hidden knife. Yeah, a blade, and you know that. I mean, there is no way that Michael Rooker knows how this is gonna play out. You know, like that, because he waits until he's hanging off a ledge to use the knife and stab the guy in the foot. Yeah, if I was him, and I think most people would have taken their chances and used the knife before that. You know, before he's just kicked you into a bloody mess and and is about to throw you off a cliff. But he yeah. waits for dramatic purposes. He waits until he's almost dead yes. to save himself. <laughs> so that that kind of stuff. That was just like no, too much, too much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've spoken enough yet as well about John Lithgow in this film. Yes, this was my introduction to Lithgow. So this is the first time. So this is this is how I think of him. I think of him as the smarmy British bad guy. <laughs> and so to me, this and Dexter are his two best performances by far. <laughs> have you have um, you ever seen Third Rock from the Sun? Oh yes, yeah. Big fan of Third Rock from <laughs> okay. the Sun. <laughs> I think that was my John Lithgow introduction, so And that would make sense. I'm sure it was for for a lot of people. Are you a fan of Lithgow? Do you think I mean he's really really chewing the scenery in this movie, but do you think that it works? It works. I was this is that's the one thing that maybe was overhyped for me regarding Cliffhanger because I didn't know much about it. I knew the poster and I knew that uh, Lithgow was a bad guy and that everybody loves him in this movie. Whenever you bring a cliffhanger, we're like, oh, yeah, this is a movie where John Lithgow is a bad guy and Stallone climbs yeah. mountains. I even remember uh, <laughs> at whatever Oscars, you know, because this was nominated for special effects, probably, maybe sound or whatever. But the clip they used yeah. was towards the end, the clip of Lithgow, like, in the helicopter, I think. So I remember that. Uh so the idea of John Lithgow as a bad guy in Cliffhanger has been seared in my memory uh, for years. And and then it happened, and the first half of the movie, I don't think that he's doing much. And then he really, really gets cooking towards the end. Uh, so I was a little underwhelmed, and then it, it just it came back. You know, I, I, I started appreciating what he was doing. Like, yeah, the moment when he shoots his girlfriend is... Amazing. That's yeah, how you do it. Yeah. So it's it's actually interesting. The film was nominated for three Academy Awards: Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Visual Effects. It lost all of them to Jurassic Park. Oh, of course. yeah. Uh, it was also up at the Razzies, the Golden Razzies. It was nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Supporting Actor for Lithgow, and Worst Supporting Actress for Janine Turner, and Worst Screenplay. <laughs> no, I mean I wouldn't even give it to the screenplay. There's so much worse stuff every year. Oh. 
Absolutely. I actually, I am a big fan of this screenplay. Like, I know that there, yes, there's some silly things here and there, but I, I actually, as I said, as far as this genre goes, I think this is pretty tight. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely, it keeps things moving. It, it never, it never lags. And I, I like that they keep changing the dynamic of who's got the mm. upper hand. And um, there's a very, uh, I promise this is my last Die Hard reference, but <laughs> there's a very <laughs> Die Hard, like, I've got a gun now, ho, ho, ho moment, which is when uh, oh, they yeah. find the tracker and, you know, he's basically, he just left him a dollar bill that says, want to trade? And like, that's yeah. cool. I don't care that it's making me think of Die Hard. That, that was pretty cool. <laughs> there's one, no matter how much you think Die Hard is superior to this movie, there's one part where I'm sure you have to agree with me here. This has one of the best scores that an action film has ever, ever had. Yes. And I've heard it before. I don't know when or how. I probably, I used to have a CD that was like memorable scores and it had a whole bunch of, uh, yeah. John Williams was there like probably five times. and Oh, yeah. Uh, so maybe yeah. Cliffhanger was part of it. I don't know. Uh, but when it kicked in, I was like, oh, I know this. And this is good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. That there's it's a good one. Who who is it? Who who who's a composer? Trevor Jones, who I also I don't know if if you've ever seen the the miniseries of Merlin starring Sam Neill. I've heard of it, never seen it. Right. That I mean that like, same guy did the score for that and that also has a wonderful theme, but it's so rare to me that an action film would have such a memorable piece of score like this. It's just insanely well put together. And I love how frequently it comes back, but it's different every time. Like, the, you know, it kind of gets referenced in later pieces of score, but just kind of sometimes it's more tense, sometimes it's more uplifting. I think it's a very smart, smartly written piece of score. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Definitely, definitely a high point. Now, on the other end, not a high point, but I kind of, I was puzzled by, uh, is it Janine Turner? That's, that's her name? Okay. Yep, yep. She's good, and the movie doesn't do anything with her. Like, when the movie starts... I'm like, man, this is how is it that I didn't see this actress later on? Because I checked her out and she's kept mm. working, but she never broke out into just you didn't see her in much, you know, bigger productions. You would think that this would turn her into kind of, you know, just one of those actresses that break out. But from the moment that she teams up with Stallone in the second half of the movie, that's where her character just becomes she's just an accessory. A sidekick. Yeah. yeah. But yep. before then, she's, you know, when she's just kind of yelling at Stallone for for bailing on her and for not handling his grief like an adult and all that stuff. She's really good. Uh she she looks a little bit like uh, um Cersei Lannister. What's her name? Oh uh, yeah yeah L- Lena Hetty. Yes. She looks a little bit like her. Uh yeah. Especially in later seasons with the short hair and I really I, I don't know. I was I was bummed that the movie didn't do more with her. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about about her as a as an actress and as a and as a character. I definitely agree with you. I think that she has it's funny. She has a lot more to do for the first half of the movie where I guess plot lies, she has a lot less to do. <laughs> like like in that first half of the movie where she's back at the base and she's kind of trying to figure out where they are and stuff. I agree with you. I think her performances there are really strong. And it, yeah, it's not even that her performance gets worse, but once she teams up with Stallone as you say, she becomes so much less a part of the story. It's I would have preferred if if she had stayed back at the base still trying to, you know, almost like I'm thinking of, for example, like Con Air, where you've got John Cusack on the ground mm-hmm. trying to keep track. You know, I could see something like that continuing and working for that character more than than what we got. 
Yeah, yeah. She she doesn't really make much of a difference uh, no. being by Stallone's side. So you you could have been. It probably would have been more rewarding if you've gotten rid of the the older pilot and she had been the person that gets the subplot of you know yeah that's, them down and that's true yeah the kid and all that stuff. Um, and those two kids, by the way, that that's probably the most nineties element of oh, the movie. Absolutely, the, the, the thrill seekers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, there's been talk about a sequel to this film virtually since it came out. Um, and a number of times, it's, you know, they've, it's, you know, been in kind of pre-production. They're now talking about doing a reboot. Where are you on that? Are you, are you in for more more cliffhanger? Do you want to see what happens next or, or what, you know, just more in this universe? I can't imagine. Well, I guess, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen... Stallone an action movie like recently I mean I saw Suicide Squad but that's just him doing the voice yeah I, I, yep. I can't picture him climbing mountains in a spectacular way so if you're trying to recre- recreate that magic imagine you have to just cast a new guy yeah uh, and just have Stallone in the background like like what he did with Creed right where his character stops being the focus and he's just like yeah I could see that now he's the guy that's piloting the helicopter maybe yeah uh, now if the movie is going to be a sequel to cliffhanger but just in the sense that it follows the the life of uh gabe it has nothing to do with with really you know climbing mountains and action yeah. or whatever yeah. now this is just him it's it's a serious personal drama about yeah. him it's like him in a retirement home you know yes <laughs> seeing as if joining like ache. the aqua therapy pool <laughs> yes yeah exactly it's just Everybody else in his life has left him or he or has yeah. died. Michael Rooker ended up marrying uh Janine, Janine Turner. Turner. Yeah. yeah. I'm a hundred percent down for that. Oh, that would be do great, that with any it? action movie. Yeah. You know who could direct it? Wes Anderson. <laughs> bring some whimsy to the cliffhanger universe. <laughs> just just a long tracking shot of the retirement home <laughs> that ends with well, that's the opening of the Irish man. Yeah. Still, you could do it again. It's still on there. So, all right, here we go then, I guess. Moment of truth. You'd never seen this film before. I told you I loved it and you should watch it. You probably came to it too late in the same way I did with Die Hard. How are you scoring, Cliffhanger? Um, I probably sounded more negative than than I really am because I, I, I guess I need to emphasize more that I had a good time. I yeah. was just laughing and <laughs> there were times where I was just in awe of what was happening Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the set pieces are pretty impressive and... Uh, like I had moments where I appreciated Stallone's performance, definitely moments where I appreciate Lithgow's performance. And something that we didn't really get to, and I, I do want to bring up, is I love the meltdown that, uh, what's his name, Travis, the FBI agent yep, that, yep, that yep. turned. He just loses his shit in the third act of the movie towards the climax. He just, he realizes he's been losing for so long and he just can't take it anymore. He gets on the radio, yeah. <laughs> spills the beans about John Lithgow, and then he's like, and now I'm going to go kill Stallone. <laughs> It's, yep. I think it's my favorite moment in the movie. <laughs> uh, so I'm landing, uh, I, on Letterboxd, I would give it three and a half, so seven. I'm giving it a seven. Okay, that's a good score. Seven is good. That's that's much better than I was expecting. I know, I, I sounded too negative. <laughs> I th- See, this is one of those films for me where I find it so hard to rate because it's like, how do I separate how, you know, what I see about this film now from how I felt about it when I was eight or nine? I'm giving it a nine. I know that that's too high. I know that it shouldn't be that high realistically, but what are you going to do? It's my show, so who I, I, cares? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm i strongly supporting that nine, especially because I imagined you gave uh, Fury Road less of a score, a yeah. lower score, and that just 
makes me happy. Yeah, you know, know Fury Road. You read Cliffhanger. From memory, Fury Road was around a five, maybe a six for me. Oh, my just, God. I just, I just didn't love it. I've only seen it the once. Maybe I should revisit it. But I don't know. They're you coming know what? for you, Billy. Maybe. The pitchforks and the torches. Maybe I should get Paul from the countdown on to, to do Fury Road with me. And uh, I can shit all over it while he jizzes all over it. <laughs> That'll be a nice combination. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much once again for joining me. This was so much fun. I know that hopefully all of our listeners know how to find you and what you do, but tell everybody anyway, how how can people find your show? Well, uh, if you have a podcatcher that you use, just search for The Contrarians. We'll be there. Our little logo is a tomato looking at himself in the mirror. Um, if you want to find our website, it's uh, wearethecontrarians.com. And on Twitter, it's Contrarian Prime. On Instagram, it's Contrarian Prime. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. You can find us any way you want and uh, hopefully enjoy uh, our episodes the same way that you enjoy hearing Billy talk about the things he loves. (laughs) That's right. You can find them, and I highly recommend that you do. Hit up the Contrarians. They're so great. Thank you again for joining me. I'm sure that you will be back on this show again at some point. Anytime. Anytime. You're a legend. All right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and I'll catch you next week. Toodles. <laughs> you think of it. <laughs> You're still here? The, the show's over. Go home. Go. But if you can't get enough of We Watched a Thing, why don't you check out our Patreon page? There's tons of behind-the-scenes content, heaps of bonus episodes. You can get full, unedited videos of each episode recording. You can pick a movie for me to do on the show, or even come and join me while I talk about it. So why don't you head over to patreon.com forward slash We Watched a Thing. Go watch a movie.